y'all. I'm Erin Bagwell. And I'm Diana Matthews. Welcome to Feminist Wednesday's Beaver Talk, the podcast where we give Hollywood unsolicited advice about feminism. In our world, the 50s housewife is the new feminist icon. The gaslight schools us on censorship. And we've got a newfound love for old school NYC, minus the misogyny. Join us as we deep dive into all the things that fire us up about film and television, the glorious, the misogynistic, and the groundbreaking. This is Beaver Beaver Talk. Talk. Hi. Hello, hello. You're making a scowl at your notes. Yeah, I wrote something down that I don't entirely understand, but that's not like the first time I've done it. So. I love when that happens. And yeah. I was like, mm, I had a thought there and <laughs> I don't know what it is. It like stopped being a thought. But, yeah. you know, we're getting there eventually. How are you, how you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited about today's episode. Me too. I We're going to be talking about the marvelous, marvelous. Mrs. Maisel. And I honestly, I'm going to go on the record and say this is one of the best television shows of the year. <gasps> I agree completely. It is top to bottom, so thoughtful, so nuanced, is such a, like, what's the word for the, like, it's a huge cast, like, it's an, it's an ensemble, it's fabulous, it's feminist, it's heartbreaking, it's funny, it's beautiful, the visuals are beautiful. Um, and if you're not watching this show, you should pause this episode <laughs> and get on Amazon and watch the first season because it is an absolute delight. Yeah, we're about to have a bunch of spoilers. And I will say that I'm so happy that I kind of avoided everything about this show until I like watched it. And I feel I, like there's not, I haven't seen a lot of like articles and things about it. Yeah, when she won the Golden Globe, when Rachel Brosnahan won the Golden Globe, I was like, whoa. Well, she won the Golden Globe like the month it came out. It was very, That's what very I mean. Yeah. It was like, oh, this is not playing around. But when they, when they have that opening scene where she's at the wedding, yeah. I was like, this is what we're in for. Like, this is the stage we're setting. She is the character. This and, is a character that she is made to play. And it's so beautifully written and it's so beautifully shot that I, like, from the first three minutes, I watched the first three minutes and then Sal came home and I was like, rewind. <laughs> we're getting in on this show together. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. And Mayor watched it and he was just like, if you and Aaron aren't talking about this show, like, your feminist podcast is incomplete. Get it together. Yeah. He was like, get in, I'm not going to tell you anything about it. You need to just put it on and sit down and enjoy the ride. And I did. Oh, wow. It's so good. We have so many notes to get into about it. What are what were your kind of first impressions or like main takeaways from like the series as a whole? Were there things that really stood out to you? Yeah. I mean, I binged it. Like I watched it very, very quickly. Um, and each episode is about 48 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I just loved the world that it creates. It's set in, it's set in uh, New York City in the 1950s. And it is all filmed on location and the costuming and the interiors and the like fun cars on the street, like everything from top to bottom is so thoughtful. And we're back. <laughs> <laughs> um, everything is so thoughtful from top to bottom. And I really love, love, love Rachel Brosnahan. I loved her in House of Cards and it's so cool to see her leading this cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and her character, again, the wedding scene from the top was just like, I'm all in with this woman. Yeah. Um, then to kind of see her, uh, you know, hit her stride in the comedy scene, um, to see her kind of fail and negotiate being a mother, um, the relationship with her husband, 
hit really hard. Um, the standout for me was the episode Because You Left, where her husband comes back and wants to be taken back in the home, and she says no. And that, for me, was like, this is a game changer. We should also set up that the series, basically, she, her husband leaves her, and he's a stand-up comic, and she's supporting his career. She's helping him write jokes. She's, like, taking notes. She's like a real, um, she's really helping him with his career. And when he leaves her, she kind of finds, comedy fills this kind of void for her. And she kind of accidentally stumbles on stage and is like a natural. And she kind of gets a someone who wants to take her on as like a, an agent who's fabulous. And they have this really interesting um, female friendship. And while they're, she's kind of navigating now her new passion, she's still kind of figuring out what to do with her partner that left her. And the interesting thing I think about this show is the families are so heavily influencing kind of the decisions that are made. And, you know, she lives um, like three floors below her parents and they're in the same building. So there's it's a total ensemble cast of having the families interfere and get involved. And he's talking to his family and it's like it's a whole it's a mess. Um and it's really interesting because I think in the beginning, Joel Maisel, her husband, it's like, you know, he leaves her and he's he we find out he has a girlfriend and it's all very like, you're the bad guy. And then kind of as the show develops, you know, we kind of peel back the layers of his personality of like maybe why he did it and what he was looking for. And you create like the sympathy for him, I think. I think they make him a really dimensional character. And so then when he does come back, you're kind of rooting for them, but you're not really sure. And I think they do a really good job of like walking that line between it being really stock and it being really genuine of like, this is complicated. And, you know, these are two really young people and, you know, they could definitely come back together or they could blow their lives up and be totally and recreate it, which we're seeing Miss Maisel do within her career, which is really exciting. But yeah, it's very complicated. Yeah, I think family and faith is such a it's such a grounding force in this show. They're they're both Jewish families mm-hmm. and the influence that has on their decisions almost inadvertently. They like they're not it's important to them, but like she's so progressive and he's obviously not like he's cheating on his wife and like he's not living out his best life either. Yeah. <laughs> I love that, you know, when she says Joel's leaving, her dad is like, "Well, what did you do? What did you do to bring this upon our family?" Yeah. And she's just like, you know what? Go away. Like, I didn't do anything. And I think what's so powerful about Mrs. Maisel is the trust she has in herself. She's not totally fearless, but she is so resilient. And that I found watching her cathartic, watching her creative journey so cathartic because of that. Because she's just like like trusting her. She's just trusting herself. But I think she's also very much a woman of her generation because I think she does kind of feel like it's her fault in the beginning. And I think she finds Mm. a little bit of discomfort of like, oh, I do have to get him back. And it is my duty as a wife. And like even, you know, and I think it's one of the first episodes where, you know, he goes to bed and then she gets up and runs into the bathroom, takes off all her makeup, puts her hair in curlers, gets back into the bed. You know, they wake up in the morning and, you know, she gets out of bed earlier to make sure she has a full face, you know, for him to wake up. And I think that is so... 
it's hysteric like it's it's hysterical in some in some spaces because it's like wow like this is wild but then it's also like oh like this is really sad like this is what women felt like they had to be and they had to go through and and we see her mom do the same thing in a later episode Mm -hmm. so it's like generationally you know who you had to be public facing as a woman and what your family meant to you that was like such a and it still is such a stock in how we perceive a woman's value Mm -hmm. So it is interesting to watch her navigate that because she she does want to conform in a lot of ways, but she almost can't fit in the box. And she almost can't, you know, not open her mouth or show her tits on stage or like there she's just bursting at the seams. Yeah, and I th- but I think that that's what makes her journey so amazing. Is you see her like putting on the full face of makeup in the morning mm-hmm. and then you see her flashing the entire audience. And then yeah. you see her getting arrested and then you see her making a brisket. And then you like <laughs> I just love this like duality of her life. Absolutely. Um and when she gets arrested, she needs I think it's like $400 for bail. Um and she calls her husband <laughs> at work and she's just like you're not gonna ask what i need this for you're not gonna expect me to repay it you're not gonna ever bring this up again right i'm gonna send someone to get the money you have to do this it's just like yes like i love her strength Mm. i just find her to be such an incredible character to watch and unlike anything i've ever seen before on tv yeah she's so fun and engaging and charming Mm -hmm. it's like she can't help but be i don't know she's just yeah it's I there I I can't articulate it, but she's absolutely wonderful. Yeah, I think she can't help but be herself. Is just how I felt throughout the entire exactly. show. I think that like even when she's like standing in front of um, the judge for being obscene, <laughs> she's told to like be quiet, sit down, shut up. Like we're gonna get the charges lifted if you just like don't do the things that she ends up doing anyways. Which is like being like, why can't I do this as a woman? Like what what's your problem? And it sounds very on the nose, but it's not. The show is so thoughtful and so nuanced in how it portrays all of this. Even her coming up beside Lenny Bruce, who was a real stand-up comic. Yeah. Um, they don't even really get into what it's like for a man and a woman to do this same job and how the, those are different. It just is different. And yeah. we don't have to like hit audiences over the head with it. We it's, know that it's different. It's, it's so still well, different. It's so well done, the, the gender stuff. It's totally. so well done. And her getting on stage and talking about how she's a mom and how maybe she shouldn't be mm-hmm. and how she doesn't really find her fulfillment in, in her kids and how she feels bad about that because she's so close to her parents. And just like there's so many. I love her relationship with her mom. I love the relationship with her dad. Mm. I think it's so. Tell me more. I just I like him as the like. <laughs> He's great. Neurotic professor. They're both great. Yeah. The cast is great. Is amazing. And her mom just constantly like praying that she gets back together with Joel, missing the entire point of like everything that's happening I love her around mom her. Meeting the psychic mm-hmm. and like trying to get readings and like yeah. freaking out. Yeah, it's so good. I like her dad because I think that's something that, again, just contributes more to what's new, what this show is, so, sorry, what this show is portraying that we ha- maybe haven't seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the the relationship she has. And her dad is really the first one to get that she shouldn't get back together with him. And I think that that's a really cool pivot. Well, they have kind of a more honest, because even her father knows that Joel came back. And so they have a more honest relationship because I think he's a little bit more practical. Yeah. Where the mother is more interested in like keeping up appearances and making sure like when they're in the elevator, they're talking about like, (laughs) you know, pretend things. Yeah. But I saw a lot of like my 
like <laughs> the honest, the brutal honesty of like, oh, that dress makes you look fat. I've never seen in like a television show before. And I was like, that's totally my mother. Mm-hmm. You know, you look better in this color. Do like the, even like the visual of like how you step out in the world. I was mm-hmm. like, wow, like they're nailing it. And I've never seen that before. Yeah. Yeah. It's very, it's very cool. It's a really, it's a really authentic journey. And I think that we as women don't get to see that very often. We see women, you know, things are either stereotyped or like a little oversimplified or there's this huge payoff that maybe we didn't see the lead up to. Um, and that's something I also really liked about this this first season is that the payoff comes in that she finally gets to be herself. And that's something I really liked about this. Can we talk about their the marriage? Because... Are you rooting for Joel? Are you not rooting? I, Joel's how the only f- character I don't really get. Okay. I don't really understand Joel. Uh-huh. I don't get his motivations. I don't get other than the fact that he is in the pocket of his father, mm-hmm. which is a big, they lose their apartment because it turns out all the money was borrowed from his parents. So when he leaves, his dad pulls the pin on it and Ma- and Midge has to move back up with their parents. Um, and Joel, I think is just kind of, I like aspects of it, but he, to me, is the weakest part. He's, he, I don't fully understand him. I kind of, I found myself definitely rooting for them mm. at the end. And when they got back together and they sleep together, I loved that scene of him leaving out the window and like the shame of it. And it felt so cute and so light and so warm. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely really I was like all in on hating him in the beginning. And then there's something very lost about Joel that I think is very interesting. And it's almost like he's choosing and it kind of comes back to our self-saboteur theme, I guess, that we're having today of like, he's not even choosing really, he's choosing himself over the relationship in a lot of ways and kind of feeling very, I think, very lost. And them finding themselves kind of together, it's it's so interesting. But even the ego of, like, him wanting to be a comic but not really realizing that she's really the star. And can we talk about the end, the finale? Yeah. You want to well, go there or should we wait? Well, what I will say about the the thing about him choosing himself is I don't think he's choosing himself. I think he's sabotaging a he, glorious life Yeah. for nothing. When he – when they – find out that he's dating that other girl and she has to go to his apartment and it's the exact same carbon copy of their apartment. She's I'm like, wait, my why head. did it's you, brutal. wait, why did you leave me? I was furious. Oh, t- this is what I mean is he's not choosing anything. He's right. one of the most lazy men I've ever seen in my life. His mm. money isn't his own. His career isn't his own. His yeah. decisions aren't his own. He's totally in the pocket of his parents. He's totally like, he just blows whichever the way the wind goes. And but I feel like that's me... – but I think that's why I feel sympathy for him is because he still doesn't know who he is. And so in, he, until he can kind of figure that out, he's never going to be able to take a step forward. And it's so unfortunate that he is, you know, with this woman who is absolutely phenomenal. It's almost like he knows that and he's like, I'm so lost in, in my head and not even emotionally available for this person that I'm not a match for her. Well, that's what he says to her in the scene when he leaves her. Yeah. He's like, I, you don't think I'm good enough. And she's like, actually, like, I've been busting my butt to, like, make, get you good times at the gaslight, finding all these people that you can connect to, writing your jokes. Like, actually, I do think you're good enough, and I've been yeah. supporting you. But he doesn't you think You don't he's think good you're enough. good enough. Yes. Uh. And that, that was brilliant. That's in the very first episode. Um, 
and you know, she's just kind of like, get out or get on my level. And that's, I think, amazing. (sighs) Yeah. So Joel, I think like they obviously have bare bones about what's going on there, but he, they needed the whole season. Do you think she's going to end up with Lenny Bruce then? Mm -mm. Sorry, I picked a hangnail and it's like hurting. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I don't think she's going to end up with anyone. I think that's the point. Interesting. Um, but yeah, I think Joel, I loved the <sighs> talking about Joel. I loved the there's a finale scene where basically Miss Maisel gets this fabulous opening. She gets to open for Lenny Bruce and it's like this big deal. And she's in this gown. She's almost in like a gown, I would say, like this really formal cocktail dress with pearls. And she looks like a movie star. Mm-hmm. And he, and Joel goes in there drunk and he's just and she's talking about their relationship. She's talking about their marriage and their kids and their family and the look on his face, it's like so, it's so amazing. It's like the collision of these two worlds where in one hand she's like, you know, protecting him and coddling him. And then on the other world, it's like she's a fireball. She's mm-hmm. a star. Mm-hmm. And it's like boom. And he's drunk and he's angry. And he like, they don't even interact in the scene. You just see him seeing it and emoting. And then he leaves. And does he hit that guy at the end of the mm-hmm. Yeah, somebody like heckles her and Joel kind of follows him out and I think he was leaving anybody but decides to take some anger out on him and just wails him, which I thought was awesome. Yeah. And then he kind of just stumbles into the street and it starts snowing and you're like, we don't know where he's at. Is he going to like see her and get on her level and support her and like see her or is he just going to continue down the self-saboteur path and just that's the end of their relationship? We don't know. Yeah, and I think He's such a mystery. It's so funny that you're so on him. I just, I'm like, I don't know. For me, it was all about her. No, no, no. I think it for sure is she is the, she's the cornerstone. She's the Mm -hmm. centerpiece. We don't care about him unless we care about her. Mm -hmm. But I do think their relationship, I think it was really horrible to watch this kind of newlywed couple, Mm -hmm. you know, fall out and have their family. I mean, it it was gutting. It was so, I couldn't binge watch this because I was like, Oh my god! Like watching it with Sal is like this is not a romantic show. No, this is hard to watch at times. It's, it's not so even really, really a honest. comedy. It's not even really a comedy for me. I definitely laugh out loud a lot. Ah, I would. I left it feeling it's like a, whoa. It's it's a very multifaceted. It's like a drama. It's not a drama though either. Though no. it's too light for that. Yeah. I will say my favorite part of the entire first season is the montage of them starting their life together to happy days are here again. And they like get into their apartment and it shows them like buying all the furniture. It shows them bringing home the baby. Is that the Barbra Streisand song? Uh Uh-huh. I got a little note about that. What? That the producer, basically that they did the pilot and they did that episode with Barbra Streisand songs. And she was kind of like, I will do whatever it takes to get Barbara to sign off on this. Yeah. And basically she wrote a letter pleading for Babs to, to get on board. And, um, Streisand actually says that usually someone requests, you know, maybe 20, 15 seconds, 10 seconds. They were like, they wanted to use the whole song. And they go, these people are crazy. I'm into it. Like, have at it. Um, and then when they won the Golden Globe, the producer, um, do you have the producer's name down? Yeah. I just have her last name, but it's her and her partner, Sherman Pal- Palladino. It's her and her husband produce it. Well, she went up to get the Golden Globe speech, and she didn't know that she's a huge Barbra Streisand star, and she didn't know that Babs was in the front row. 
Uh-oh. And her husband was like, I didn't want to tell you because I thought maybe you'd go off the rails. Oh. Like when she got up there and was like, Barbara Streisand is in front of me. That's awesome. So she's a huge Babs fan. The music is to die for in this. Well, they use they use the real versions. They use the originals of everything. So you're hearing Frank Sinatra. It kind Sinatra. of feels like you're watching a movie. It's very cinematic. Yeah. This is Amazon Gorgeous. Now. It's Amazon. Gorgeous. <laughs> the shots of New York. The set direction. I mean, how much are they spending on this series? Keep it going. Millions. I will might write you a check. Millions. <laughs> God, it looks great. Yeah. Her outfits. Yeah. Her corsets. Every well, every detail Ooh. down. I mean, think about dressing the street of New York to make it look like 1950s. I like mean, the work that's put into this to yeah. create the world. I, I'm having like a real moment of that this year of like really appreciating the art direction. And yeah, stuff. yeah. I'm really. I think that. People are their apartment is go- every the apartments are so cool. Oh, the interiors are to die for. I love all the horrible acts at the gaslight. Love it. That like do the dumb beatnik stuff, and they're just love like it. these people. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, I I think that it's just a really really powerful. They show. touch upon race mm-hmm. a couple of times in a really powerful way too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when she's like standing with the band. And you're smoking their marijuana they're smoking cigarettes. smoking the marijuana. And she's talking about getting arrested. And they're all like, whoa, <laughs> we've never been arrested. And she's like, oh, I've been arrested twice. <laughs> and then she goes up to introduce them. But she's too stoned. And so she forgets to introduce the band. And Lenny Bruce is like, can you, like, say the I act? I love that they're, like, kind of friends <laughs> by accident. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Yeah. And he has such a – this is another thing. This is another, like, stereotype that I really like the show doesn't buy into is he's not mean to her. He's not sexist to her. He's not trying to put her down. He's kind of, like, fascinated by her. I think they're just friends. It almost feels like they're equals in a lot of, like, peers. Totally. Totally. Because I think he has respect for her. Well, she bailed him out of jail. So he's, like. But she's funny. She's talented. Yes, yes, yes. That's what, like. Of course. Is so powerful about that relationship is, like, she deserves to be up there. Can we talk about her manager? Is her name Penny? Do you remember? Sally? Penny? <laughs> I don't know. I watched it too long ago. Um, but they have the best relationship and their banter is so funny. And when mm-hmm. she calls the mom's house and the mom, she gives the mom like a different name yeah. every time. She's like, who are these weird people calling you? <laughs> like their relationship as like manager and talent is fascinating, fabulous. Yeah. She's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. She's so, so good. She's played by Alex Borstein. I wrote down the name of the actress, but, you know, just failing at actually knowing the name of the character. But, yeah, she's, she's great. great. Um, what do we hope season two brings? Because I'm interested to see where we go from here. Well, we also didn't name that the, the, these um, Sherman Palladino, they're the producers of Gilmore Girls. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I'm not a huge Gilmore Girls. You know, I will say I, I would bounce in and out of Gilmore Girls. I was never like a need to watch the whole thing, but I did like it. Their relationship just made me deeply uncomfortable. I thought they were so like Lorelai and Rory. Yeah, I thought Lorelai was so mean. I just really? found her to be really snarky and kind of like not nice. Oh, interesting. <laughs> maybe if I re- maybe if I watched it now, I'd feel differently because maybe that was like my twelve year old brain. I think it. Um, I think Lorelai is. I feel like it was. It's a fun mother daughter situation because. I feel like a real Gilmore Girls fan should answer this space, but yeah, I think she saw her as like a almost like a, like as a peer and was like, "I'm giving it to you straight, and I'm going to give you advice. I'm going to let you mess up, and 
It wasn't as like mothery or nurturing, maybe. Yeah, maybe that's what set me off. I don't know. It always bothered me. I mean, the me. new Netflix ones are awful. Are they? Yeah. Shouldn't have rebooted. There's one scene, Diana, where they like do a play, like in the <laughs> middle of the, you know, like the town's like working on a play or whatever. Ken, have you seen these? Are you Gilmore Girls? Um, he has not. Also, Ken's wearing cowboy boots today. So Everyone I'm should know he I'm is rocking a cowboy boot. So good. But they do this play and it's like, oh yeah, it's like plot device. We're going to see a scene. They do 30 minutes of this play. It's like they let the interns write the play and then they're like, yeah, we'll just shoot the whole thing and then we'll put it in the show. Whoa. It was like fast forward. It was so weird. Brutal. I love that Carol King is the theme song. <sighs> Where you lead, I will follow. So good. I love Carol That's King. That's your favorite part of Gilmore Girls I mean, the song. Carol King is my favorite part of everything. Um, season two. Season two. They are doing season two. I don't have any notes about season two, although I wrote it down. Season two. Something I hope they lean more into in season two mm-hmm. is that in the first season, they don't buy into the stereotype of her needing to, our favorite word, balance everything between motherhood and her career and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Um, but I am starting to kind of get a little frustrated because I feel like they planted the seed of her questioning whether or not she should have been a mom. And then just never addressed it again. Yeah. So I'm hoping in season two we see a little bit more of that in the in the intentional way that they have been doing the show, where she talks more about maybe we see like in flashbacks the pressures of her needing to become a mom or the pressure on her that maybe she put on herself or 100%. something. Um, but I would like to know a little bit about more about her as a mother, like her as her identity as a mom, whether it's like, you know, that she. She doesn't like being a mom, and we see that side of her. Um, but I trust the writers that they could do that in a really, like, subtle and, and thoughtful way. And I kind of want to see more of that from her in season two. A hundred percent. I also wrote, I really love her, the brother-sister relationship. Yes, her and brother. I, <gasps> and I feel like we don't get to see siblings enough on screen. Yeah. Like, women are always sex objects. And so, like, to have them just doing, a like, a great banter. And when he says, you're always the funny one, I was like, Oh, like her heart, you could just tell was like, it would like they just see each other. Yeah. It's great. I'd love to see more of that. I think you're totally dead on the motherhood stuff. It better be right around the bend because we are really, even with like, she's got the nanny, the mom's watching the kids at home. Like, yeah. I just hope they don't do like Mindy Project did this where they're like, she's a mom now. And then we're never going to see her like dive into it. It's just an accessory. Yeah, well, it almost got to be a little bit that for me. Like the she has a one year old and a three year old, and we the kid, the three year old is such a brat, and they they lean into that a lot. And he mm-hmm. like has a really troubled, hilarious. I also relationship. like her best friend and the their like yeah. kind of wackadoo relationship. That's cute too. Yeah, it it provides good context for like the world that she's in and how like how much of a risk she's taking by doing the stand up comedy. Um, but yeah, I, I think leaning a little bit more into just the responsibilities that come with like having two little kids and how you can't always get away from that. Especially as a woman in the 50s. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of want to see the world put a little bit more challenge on her because right now it's it's kind of been like moving to facilitate this next stage, but I want to see it kind of push back a bit. Well, the spoiler I do not, not spoiler, but about season two is that they are going to lean into kind of the two worlds clashing a little yeah, bit more. Like okay. her parents are going to find out, like, and we're going to see the repercussions of her being yeah. in this space. Yeah, I get that for season one, they needed to grease the wheels a bit and just have it work. Well, so I we feel like it her. was a lot on her relationship with Joel mm-hmm. and her getting established mm-hmm. and us figuring that out. Is yeah. she going to do it? Is she not going to? How it's going to happen so 
Yeah, they packed a lot in this season. Yeah, they really did. It's really dense, but great. For sure. Also, something kind of interesting to note is um, the producer's father um, was a stand-up comic, Don Sherman. And so she kind of made this series as like an honor for her dad's legacy. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, he passed away in 2012, and she really wanted to create something like to kind of honor his world and like what she knew about it. And, you know, she said she would listen to like Lenny Bruce records with him. And so this is also like a really beautiful homage to kind of her childhood, which is really cool. That's so cool. I love that little fact. Also, the IMDb page itself is gorgeous. Did you go to the IMDb page? I didn't, no. Oh, my God. Everything turns into the branding of the show. So everything's sparkly. Everything is 1950s writing. Mm -hmm. It like is her, that video of her like in the red jacket where all the see the businessmen are walking one way and she turns around and like gives a little smile to the camera. Like, oh my God. Love it. IMDb like pulled out all the stops. Also, Rachel was sick when she went and auditioned to be Miss Maisel and had like a flu that made her totally insane and she was on a lot of like flu medication and drugs (laughs) so the producers say she like barreled in like with a fever and was like sweating and to have them audition they just had to do the cold open by themselves for four minutes so she barrels in with the flu and is just like and they're like who is this girl (laughs) Um, amazing. If you can sell that cold open, you have the part. Like, absolutely. Basically, they were like, we know this is really mean because comedy is hard. Yeah. And their writing is hard. Yeah. But she did it. She nailed it. That's so funny. The part is so far. Oh, she's just, yeah, she's made to do this. I'm so happy for her. I think that this is the role of a lifetime. And yeah, I absolutely love it. I was going to say something about auditioning, but now I can't remember what it was. I don't remember. Um, my other last kind of like fun fact is that most television dialogue pages, they do about like 50 pages per like an hour long episode. It's usually like a minute a page. And these kids got to do seven or 80 pages for one episode because the writing is so fast and so bippity bop, like the rhythm of it is so intense. And, um, they said that the only other show that kind of is similar is Aaron Zorkin's The West Wing, Mm -hmm. which is celebrated for its writing. And um, everyone assumes that, like, the Gilmore Girls in the 70, 80 pages are, like, cute, gabby, and chatty. So just interesting, like, the gender lens of, like, oh, if you have a lot of words, like, oh, it's cute. But, like, if you're a man, it's political, Mm -hmm. you know. It's hard-hitting and it's, like, very serious. It's, like, real writing. Yeah. So that was interesting. Yeah. I mean, the the interactions between her and her parents are just, like, so smooth and so there are hardly any edits it's like the camera just keeps moving around their apartment like it is a tour de force of ensemble acting for sure buddies you gotta watch it you gotta go watch it i love it so much me too do you have any other notes i don't oh what a delight mrs Maisel. <laughs> mrs. i can't Maisel. wait for season two do we know when it's coming out I don't, but they're in production right now. I follow Rachel Brosnahan on Instagram. Oh, I got to do that. She has two dogs and she posts pictures of her dogs all the time. What and kind I'm of like, dogs does she we be have? best friends? She has a Shiba Inu and she has, um, I think he just looks like a mix. Okay, cute. He's kind of all over the place, but it's great. Fun. Yeah. Is she in New York? Are we stalk her? Yeah, she's in New York. You better believe. All right, we're on the lookout. Yeah. Betty's be on the lookout. Yeah, if you see her, we need to create a map of, no, maybe not. Maybe not going to go that far. <laughs> Are you excited for anything? Um, I am excited for stuff. So much stuff. Um, Gina Rodriguez is going to be Carmen Sandiego in a new Netflix movie. Yeah, good for her. That sounds That's fun. That's super exciting. Yep. 
I think that's a great thing for her. Um, also, Misrepresentation is making a new documentary about income equality called The Great American Lie. Whoa. So that'll be cool. Yeah, that'll be interesting. We always like their stuff. Those are my two notes. Absolutely. Awesome. Anything you're looking forward to? Yeah, I'm actually trying to find um, a movie called The Gospel According to Andre, which is a documentary about Andre Leon Talley. It does. It comes out um, soon. It was made last year, so it should be... Has, I just saw a thing for that. Yeah. Did I tag? Did I not? No. Okay. I found it on IMDb and it says 2017 is the year. So I'm wondering if it made just like a big festival run, did a limited release. It's, and coming, now it's out. coming out. It's coming out soon. I yeah. just saw a trailer for it. <sighs> Somebody just posted. It looks great. Thank God we made a movie about him. That yeah, only I, took forever. I'm excited. I'm so excited for that movie. The Gospel According to Andre. Okay, lady. Well, the time has come. Oh, no. To say happy Feminist Wednesday. Um, but before we do, make sure that you like, if you like the podcast, you rate it and review it on iTunes um, or tell a friend because we have to help Eddie's find the show. Absolutely. And if you have a show or movie you think Diana and I should check out, please let us know. Or if you need any unsolicited advice about your life, email it to me at uh, beavertalkpodcast at gmail.com. We're always happy to give unsolicited advice. I'm dying to. <laughs> Thank you so much to the Atlantic Transmission Podcast Network and, of course, Kent. Cowboy boot. Kent. Yeah. He produces us every week. Um, and happy Feminist Wednesday. Happy Feminist Wednesday, Diana. Yay. Hey guys, I'm Lissa Mandel. I'm Philip Cassell. And we're here from The, the Bitch, Bitch Seat, the podcast. It's an interview show where we talk to guests about the horrible and beautiful parts of their youth. We like to think of it as an adult talk show and tell. A grown-up show and tell. There you go. Like that. So for a teaser, here's some magnetic poetry that I wrote on my fridge when I was 12. Hit it, Phil. Dreams of whispered music felt snow white and lathered me in delirious symphonies. The ache within is black and bitter. A thousand frantic shadows scream and chant bitterly. I sleep on a lake of a thousand diamonds. You were 12? Yeah, I was way ahead of my time. Fair enough. Tune in. This has been an Atlantic Transmission production. Hey!